Aldous Huxley was an English writer and philosopher. He wrote nearly 50 books. And here's his quote about history. That men do not learn very much from the lessons of history is the most important of all the lessons of history. Welcome to the History Slices Podcast. A mother-son duo discussing awesome bits of history. We prove on every show that history is not boring. Entertaining, yet stimulating. This is History Slices. And now, here's your hosts, Jacob and Rachel. Hey, Mom. Hi, Jay. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Excellent. Thank you so much for asking. (laughs) So I know uh, we're talking about this guy, Timothy Leary, today. I remember from last time. Um, since we had our, we recorded that last episode, I, I've kind of asked around, you know, Hey, do you know who this Tim, uh, I think maybe because I've said it in the context of, Oh, we're going to be talking about Timothy Leary next sure, time. Sure. And so it seems like other people kind of know who he is. So, um, I felt a, a little bit silly, not really recognizing the name. And like I was just sharing with you a minute ago, I keep wanting to call him Timothy O'Leary, uh, which is not right. I think. No, it isn't. Yeah. Um, it's it's funny. I have a funny story related to that real quick. To the O'Leary thing? No, to oh. the someone knowing about him. I didn't think someone know about him. So last night, not to date this or anything, <laughs> but last night I was chatting with my Uncle David, who's been on the show before. Uh-huh. He he was on the Hemingway episode, if any of you guys, our listeners at home, <laughs> <laughs> heard that. And he admits it to me like, hey, I heard you're doing Timothy Leary. Is that the LSD guy? And I'm like... How does he know what? Because this is like <laughs> uh, just some background before we get into the meat of this. Timothy Leary is a counterculture icon, and so you were surprised that your uncle knew. About yeah, him. yeah, because yeah. he's very much, a, I think, a straight suitor, at least from my impression of him. Is. <laughs> uh, so it was funny because I'm like, you know, who that is like he's like everyone knows who that is. I'm like, think of you. I'm like, mm, no, not everyone, no. Well, which is fine. I have a lot packed in my brain. I'll have you know. It no, just, that's his totally name fine. Isn't in there. <laughs> no, it's totally, it's totally, it's that's so funny. It, it, it makes perfect sense why you wouldn't know who this is. I I don't think of you less for not knowing this. Uh, I was just surprised that it was more known, I guess, than I thought. Yeah, yeah, and I I think I was too, and maybe it's just because I didn't know. But mm. in any case, any case, yeah, let us know. Tell us some details about this. Timothy right, Leary. so we're gonna just dive straight into like his life story. <laughs> Obviously, a, a lot's cut out. A lot of details are minutes just for the sake of brevity. Uh, like there are several things in here because the nineteen sixties were so packed full of like crazy stuff mm-hmm. happening, uh, both just internationally and domestic and like cultural that. I can like split off into a whole bunch of episodes here, which I'm not going to, mm-hmm. but yeah, just to give like a kind of a disclaimer. There's just so much going on. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of it probably tied, tied together in some ways. Mm-hmm. So Timothy Leary, he was born October 22nd, 1920. His dad, who was a dentist, he had left the family in 1934 uh, to become a Marine. Apparently he had some alcohol troubles that might've led to this decision to split, but Honestly, we don't know too much about that. So Leary, he ended up going to a bunch of different schools or pursuing an education. He first enrolled in the College of the Holy Cross in 1938, though it's a Catholic school, but he stopped being Catholic soon after going in there. I don't know if there's any correlation or anything like that. But second semester, though, he was spending more time at bars and kind of like playing poker games than he was studying. So this is 1938. Yeah. And so he was about... He was in his 20s at this time? Yes. Okay, and his his dad, I'm sorry, it seemed like when you told me when his dad split, I was thinking he was about 14. Is that the case? 
Like his dad's already been gone for yeah. half his life, basically. Yeah, okay. About. All right. I'm sorry. I'm just catching up to you. No, no, it's totally fine. I don't okay. mean to leave you in so the So by dust. second semester, so it was the, the school that you're describing is a college. Yes. Okay. After about a year at that Catholic college, he withdrew and took an, the entrance exam for West Point, which of course is a very famous like military college. Yeah. And I guess and a, so different. Yeah. I guess the Catholic thing wasn't his speed, I suppose. Um, he passed the exam, but later on was found that he had lied on it and got court-martialed. Oh, my gosh. Um, and he ended up having to resign from from that. Oh, no. So then, after that whole f- farce, he went to the University of Alabama, but he got expelled from that because he got caught staying overnight in the woman's dorm. Oh, my goodness. After that, he went to University of Illinois, which is where he was when he was drafted. Uh, wow. So, yeah, needless to say... He had a kind of not the best track record. Oh, my goodness. That's really something. He just keeps trying, though. He yeah, that's hand it true. To him. That's true. So what year was he drafted? Do you know about what time that was? I'm trying to remember when they had the draft. Yeah, it um, was um, like was, the beginning of World War II or so. So like around like the early 40s, I suppose. Really? Okay. I don't know the exact okay. year. I sort of wrote that down, but No, I that's fine. I was actually thinking we were already like in the 60s. Oh, no, not and yet. And I thought, well, he would have been pretty old to be drafted, but okay, all right, I gotcha. Mm-hmm. And we're not quite entirely sure he did in the Army. There just isn't a lot of records for that, but there are records that he worked at a rehab clinic in Pennsylvania where he got suspended. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he knows a pattern yet? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... By 1944, after he had left uh, the military, he married a woman named Marianne. I'm not sorry to say her last name. Can um, you spell it for me? Sir, it's B U S C H. It's Bush. Bush. Yeah, okay. like Anheuser Bush. I guess I had seen it spelled like that. Yeah. Uh, he managed to convince the University of Alabama to take him back. Uh, there was this understanding that he would finish his degree by using correspondence courses, oh. which he did. By 1949, he graduated with a Washington State University's master's degree and a Berkeley doctorate in psychology. Holy cow. So, yeah, there you go. Go to Solia, you know, just stick at it. You can be a success. <laughs> wow. It was Berkeley. What was the other one? Oh, uh, Washington State University. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, to put some context for the time, because we're doing into the 1950s now uh, in this story, World War II just ended, right? America is on a bit of a high for uh, winning the war, at least playing a significant part in winning the war. And things are looking up for a good number of people. You know, the baby boom is happening. There's like the economic boom. Things are going great for the most part. Obviously, there's not great things happening because that's like that with any decade. Right. But uh, specifically about psychology and psychoanalysis and all that, because this is the field that Timothy Leary was in. Uh, it was a huge budding field. A lot of people were interested in in this because what was going on is that there was a lot of people who were suffering from depression mm-hmm. or other mental illnesses. Mm-hmm. Maybe from the war even? Quite possibly. People weren't sure why because it's like, well, things are going good. Why are these people, yeah. you know, suffering from this stuff? So they're trying to figure that out. And by the time of like the 1955 or so, like around the middle of the decade, around half of hospital patients in the country were there because of some mental illness or wow. something. Or at least suffering from something wow. like that. Yeah, so it was a pretty serious issue. Yeah, it issue. seems kind of alarming. Yeah, no, it alarmed a lot of people. Enter Timothy Leary. <laughs> now, this guy, I said the baby says at the beginning, this is a crazy story. and it, it, It's like completely 
bonkers what this guy <laughs> ended up getting up to in his lifetime. But we'll get to all that later. I just want to put that out there so it isn't too socky when we get to okay. it. Uh, so, initially, he was pretty cut the mill as far as psychologists go, um, at least at the time. Like you might, at the time, psychology was a little different than it is now. Then it was more about trying to make these people fit into society and kind of like try to hide all the, the weird different stuff, weird quote unquote, you know, not stuff they didn't understand in order to kind of make them, uh, acceptable, acceptable, yeah, yeah. Cope uh, in society or something. Basically. Yeah. It was less about kind of curing quote unquote and more about like, um, managing or something. Yeah. Kind of suppressing it okay. or trying to, and to be fair, it was, that wasn't like a, uniform opinion there were people at the time who thought this was ridiculous which it was uh if you know anything about psychology now it's like no that's not how you go about that and this group of like kind of going against the grain psychologists timothy leary would find himself among those people eventually uh but before all that happened he had a rough go of it again <laughs> this, i don't know why this happens with a lot of noteworthy people in history they had a rough go of it so first of all his wife see confronted him with an affair that he'd been having oh, uh his response and i'm not i'm not sure how accurate this is but this is what i found was uh he said that's your problem which is a pretty wow. jerk thing to say yeah. well see committed suicide oh, in my. 1955 on his birthday <gasps> uh he was 35 but oh. of all times so that's pretty rough Wow. Mm -hmm. After that, he ended up marrying his mistress, because I guess, what else are you going to do? But that itself didn't last long either, because the police ended up getting involved. Their landlady had called the cops because he heard them fighting, and apparently, apparently she heard Leary hit her. You know, so it's just like what a what a stellar guy. Yeah, I, I, know. I really like him. <laughs> oh well, yeah, no, he's he's definitely has a lot of flaws. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't know. It's interesting because he couldn't hold down a, a college. Yeah, can't hold down a wife. He's he's not a good picture of somebody who has a lot of character. That's no, for sure. No, no. So after that whole debacle, he tried to reconnect with his father. They've been estranged for a mm. while now. You know, they hadn't been talking. So. He tried to go back to his dad and, you know, mend bridges. Yeah. Not long after he tried to do that, his dad had passed away in 1956. He was just older, you know. Mm -hmm. So it was just like another tragedy on top of everything else. And finally, to top off this long string of misfortune, he suffered a nervous breakdown. Wow. Um, now, it's kind of a question mark. Uh, not so much because we know what caused it. We're not sure why he reacted the way he did. <laughs> Huh. Um, what, what happened was, um, a male coworker of his, he got arrested for looking for, what's, what's the nice way of saying this? Intimate encounters in the men's restroom. <laughs> and Leary had a freak out about it. This cause has caused some people who've looked into this to speculate that they might've had a thing going on, but mm. honestly, that's the speculation. Mm -hmm. We don't really know one way or the other. Uh -huh. Regardless, things are pretty rough for him at this point. Uh, so he left for Europe. <laughs> wow. So much of his troubles seem like they were brought on by him. You know, it, it just seems like a lot of his misfortune is yeah. at least he had a hand in it. Not his dad's death, of uh, course. No, but in terms of his wives, yeah. Yeah. And, and the dropping out or 
the college things mm-hmm. or the getting excused from different positions. Yeah, I, I get the impression that he might not have been necessarily, despite being a psychologist, yeah. I don't necessarily think he was the smartest Terribly person stable around. stable or, yeah. Oh, well, that, yeah. we'll go to get into how stable or unstable he <laughs> becomes later. Um, so he's off to Europe. He's off to Europe. And uh, this is where he met David McClelland. Who's Dave McKellen? He was the director at Harvard Center for Personality Research, hmm. which kind of opened the door for Leary as far as a new career goes, because he's like, hey, you know, he ended up getting like a job there. Now, incidentally, it was around this time he tried mushrooms for the first time. Hmm. It was on like a vacation to Mexico or whatever. Soon after that, he read The Doors of Perception by Aldous Huxley. Remember him? Mm-hmm. Huxley had written this book, well, on mescaline, so you know it's a weird book. I don't know what mescaline is. It's like a, a mind-altering substance. Okay. Funny enough, the two of them actually met. Wow. Uh, Huxley was giving a lecture at MIT, which was convenient for Leary, and they had a meeting. I don't know what they said. I'd be really curious, um, but they apparently hit it off, and they came to the conclusion, these two kind of weirdo people, that psychedelics would improve the world, you know, would help <laughs> a bunch of a a bunch decision of people. that was probably made while they were taking mushrooms. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. Now, this led to the Harvard Psychedelic Project, a fully sanctioned set of experiments that Timothy Leary played a major role in. Now, I want to take a break from Leary for a moment and tell you the context of all this okay. because it's very easy uh, to look at this nowadays and be like, well, that's weird. How do they get sanctioned for experimenting with psychedelics. Well, keep in mind, a lot of people at the time, scholars and academics, were interested in the effects of LSD. It wasn't just Leary and his like kind of weirdness. Um, it didn't have as negative a stigma as it does today. It was legal, in fact. Like uh, Cary Grant, the actor, he had taken LSD. That wasn't a secret. Everyone knew about it. It wasn't a scandal. It was just uh, it was a completely different attitude. And in fact, while Leary was doing this stuff, this was part of a like ongoing, not ongoing now, but you know, a long series of programs and experiments by a number of organizations throughout the country studying psychedelics, mm-hmm. basically in their very effect. interesting. It is. And this included the government, by the way. Uh-huh. They spent around four million dollars on experiments that weren't entirely different from what Timothy Leary was getting uh-huh. up to. Yeah. There was the thought that this would help depression or schizophrenia or whatever, yeah. you know, whatever, and just kind of help curve some of that stuff. And not all the studies have been made public. We still don't know everything. But of the ones that ha- have been, there's around 1,700 people that participated in these experiments. Mm. I can see the importance of doing experiments like that because sure. how else are you going to know except sure. by through scientific experimentation? Yeah, well, like I said before, at the beginning of this, there's about like five different, five to nine different like episodes I could spin off this one. Uh-huh. I can go on a whole tangent about MK Ultra here because that is very related, but that is another episode. I'll save it. Basically, in a nutshell, the CIA was doing a bunch of Sadie stuff with psychedelics and other wow. mind altering things, though that's underselling it massively. Oh, wow. Anyways, well, we, we can talk about that some other time, yeah. but just. It was a theme that was going on at the time. Okay. So, anyways, Timothy Leary. <laughs> Get back to this this clown. So, you probably guess by now his idea was pretty bad, thinking that psych- uh, psychedelics can cure depression or whatever. Um, Make the world a better place. Also, the problem with stu- trying to study the effects of LSD is that your subjects are tripping out. <laughs> so, you can't, and completely mental, so you can't really get, like, good data on it, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not trustworthy. Yeah, this it led to the experience becoming less than scientific. 
Now, to give an example, and I'm skipping over a lot of psychological terms when I give this example, so know that it's a lot more in-depth than what I'm saying. Um, there's an experiment he ran from 1961 to 1963. Uh, basically, what they were doing, they were giving psychotherapy to 32 prisoners to try to see uh, if that would make them more docile. They went to like a like a jail or something uh-huh. to do this, and uh, they had like a whole like okay, how does this make you feel? You know, yeah, like a whole uh, setup for it, and they believed that the trip they would go on would show them something that would help them make help them in a way traditional therapy wasn't helping uh-huh. them. And Leary claimed that the results were promising, and you know, it cowered for a time. But by 1964, which is after they'd all been released, they were back to where they were before, mm. and it kind of just didn't really take. So not very promising. Yeah. Leary still argued that it was a success and they made progress because those that are tortured jail did so under less serious charges. I don't know if there's any. Because those who what? Those who returned to jail did oh. so under less serious charges. Oh, God. I don't know if there's any correlation there or what. Yeah. Now that this experiment was one of the more organized ones, a lot of them uh, weren't because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them had the problem of re- the researchers taking the the psychedelics themselves oh my gosh a bit like altered states if you ever saw yeah. that movie no i haven't uh it's a it's an okay movie but <laughs> so they were they doing the experiments on themselves or they were joining in the subjects like there were other i think subjects there was a little themselves. bit of both going okay. on yeah yeah now harvard who had you know oversaw that approved it they started getting annoyed at all these people taking so much acid when they're trying to you know like do science and stuff like that you know <laughs> And the timing for a Harvard getting annoyed at them was pretty on point because it was around this time that the uh, FDA began to regulate a lot of this stuff. Mm. So this led to the Harvard Psychedelic Project to be shut down, and Leary was basically fired. He was basically let go. Now, before he could fully leave, however, like in the process of leaving, Richard Alpert, who was a colleague of his and an individual, I guess you could call <laughs> He had worked on this project before. Uh, he had another break with the college, uh, Albert did, but it was way more dramatic and way more kind of sadie. What happened was that the media had caught wind of Albert selling LSD to undergrads in return for sex. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So Leary kind of got thrown in with the scandal by the mainstream press because they're like, these two are like, the calls can't handle them. Yeah. What are they doing? They're just, this is not educational or they're not accomplishing anything. Yeah. They're just, you know. Really underhanded. Yeah. So Harvard, at this point, really want to separate Leary and, and like yeah. his. So was Leary, from- Leary, you're thinking or what you found Leary wasn't actually involved in the selling of LSD for sex? I don't sex think or he just, was involved in that particular thing. He was just associated thing. with He was associated with Albert, yeah. yeah. And Albert actually stayed with Leary for a little bit after this this whole thing. So it, yeah, I don't know what it says yeah. about, about yeah. Leary, but it's not great. Yeah. Um, so they got fired, basically. <laughs> they were like, no, get out. Now, oh, there's a fun side note here. Leary wasn't let go officially due to drug use going on. He was fired because he didn't show up to the class he was supposed to be teaching or lecturing at. He had, like, a secretary show up and read off, uh, sign reading or something. Wow. So that's kind of fun. That is. That's really something. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Scatterbrain. Kind of a jerk. So they, Leary and Albert, I don't know if there was anyone else with them or not. It, it's hard sometimes to find a finer details for this stuff. They had a priest in Mexico trying to promote LSD for religious purposes. <laughs> that didn't work because 
Oh, no, that's pretty common for um, people who take that stuff because they often um, associate like a really crazy trip with like a spiritual experience, I guess. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting, though. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's just because and I've never taken acid, so I don't know. But from my understanding, it very much dissolves boundaries, you know, like. I just think it's so, just so fascinating to go to Mexico. Sorry to interrupt you. No, you're good. And then, and, and this is um, maybe overgeneralizing. I'm not sure, but I think people in Mexico are are uh, tend to be very Catholic or traditionally quote unquote religious. Yeah. So it's it, like, why Mexico? Why why would that be where I, you? I think it might have just been close, though. Yeah. You're not wrong. The government in Mexico wasn't a fan of what they were doing. I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, uh, and they had to get sent back to the states. Um, they're just like planting little seeds of chaos, <laughs> <laughs> or just like wandering around like a like a couple crazy. <laughs> like bizarre people yeah uh so they kicked him out yeah so what i was saying before is from my understanding lsd and that type of stuff it kind of dissolves boundaries in the sense that like there's me there's a chair there's a book self but on it it's hard to tell where one ends and one begins mm -hmm. i don't know i've heard it's incredibly difficult to describe because it's like describing color to someone who's been blind their whole life Huh. Like it's just one of those scenes that's very just mind like, altering. Yeah, you have to kind of know what it is, experience it to know what it is, type of a thing. Anyways, it's also a fun story about them getting sent back to the states. Albert had a valve acid on him because, of course, he did, and it had broke on the way back. So he had passed the clothes around to people so they can lick the clothes so <laughs> the acid wouldn't go to waste. Uh, <laughs> these are the type of people we're talking about. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so they arrive back in the U.S., and this is when Billy Hitchcock enters the story. Great name. There's a lot of characters in this story. Yeah. Um, a, that does sound like a character out of a book. He does. So, who was Billy Hitchcock? He was a wealthy stockbroker at the time. He owned about, like, 2,500 acres of an estate in Millbrook, which I don't know if you know where Millbrook is. It's a few hours outside of New York City. Okay. Um, Thank you. You're yeah, welcome. <laughs> The connections between these two individuals, because they're very separate. <laughs> Peggy is a sister of Billy, and Peggy knew Leary as a former boyfriend, so I guess he vows for him or whatever. Regardless, they started talking, and Hitchcock sent an invite to Leary, and the two of them kind of teamed up to do these uh, experiments to try to figure out psychedelics, because Leary was still on this bug in his brain of trying to research this stuff mm -hmm. even if he wasn't technically allowed to do so um and or funded or anything like yeah, that yeah it became pretty clear to the locals that you know because they claimed that like hey we're not doing any weird drug stuff don't worry and they were clearly doing drug stuff still at one point albert jumped out a second story window because he thought he could fly he ended up breaking his leg and it, it was completely crazy and of course some of the stories are exaggerated so it's hard to tell like what's actually happened uh -huh. what doesn't but there's a lot of stories about this estate in Melbrook where just like crazy drug-fueled stuff was going on and wow. it was madness and contrary to all that there was a goal or at least there was a stated goal they were trying to find a way to like not only perfect understanding but also be able to control the trip you know to like use it in like a more productive way and be used on a more regular basis without people going crazy uh -huh. or acting in a rassle manner. Wow. You know, that stuff. Yeah, not good to have people jumping out of windows no. when you're trying to help them. <laughs> no, yeah, it's not great. So they held some workshops and stuff about all that, you know. They're doing like research, non-scientific crazy excuse to do drugs research, but they were doing research. Then the FBI showed up. Oh. <laughs> now, 
Uh, April 17, 1966, the FBI arrives on the scene. They find 29 adults and 12 children. I don't know if they're like just related or whatever, and some weed, but they didn't find any LSD or anything like that. They weren't de- that they knew was there. They weren't too deterred. They just set up roadblocks, and anyone who's coming or going, they strip searched them looking for this stuff. Wow. This basically killed the whole Vincer. <laughs> um, what? I wonder what all those adults and kids were doing there. It sounds a little bit like a cult. A little bit. I don't, I don't know. If, or a I, commune or something. I don't know enough to say if it is or isn't. Yeah. But um, from my understanding, I think it was more just like a bunch of people getting high. I yeah. don't know. So following that failure of the at the Hitchcock estate, uh, Leary gave an interview for Playboy, the magazine. A fun fact about Playboy, despite its reputation, rightfully deserved reputation it did have a lot of really interesting articles about <laughs> random <laughs> no it does about stuff that's like um you know kind of more not counterculture necessarily uh-huh. but just like right out there things right um things that actually exist that wouldn't end up in a time magazine or something yeah, like that yeah yeah also a lot of nude pictures but you have oh, to sell course. it i guess yeah <laughs> um and so, oh, during this interview, he gave his account as to what he learned taking LSD-25, which was marketed, not actually marketed, being you know, sold as 100 times stronger than mushrooms. He claimed that he had undergone 311 sessions taking psychedelics and that they revitalized him. They, like, were made him healthier, better. Uh, he claimed that he made some dubious claims. 15 years is the right age to start taking psychedelics, wow. he argued for, uh, which is pretty suspect, to say the least. Wow. He's had a lot of crazy stuff. He claimed that people who dropped out of college or society or whatever, they so it'd be that big of an issue to worry about, um, be, especially if they're using psychedelics, because then they're discovering ancient wisdom. Oh <laughs> and my gosh. they should be congratulated for doing so. Oh my gosh. Uh, he also claimed that his consciousness while on a trip had reached a pre-cellular level and that he was experiencing the experiences of his ancestors and he was vividly describing. He must have been on a trip when these. he was doing the interview. <laughs> well, no, no, this is just him recounting like that his is stuff. That's crazy though, know. because if you were if you are lucid mm-hmm. and completely drug free, mm-hmm. um, it seems like it would be hard to believe that stuff that mm. you're saying well no he had uh this is a thing his brain was already fried uh, yeah well this is a thing with um well actually that's not an uncommon claim by people who've taken lsd that they've experienced past memories from ancestors and stuff it, like it has happened again if you ever seen the movie altered states it's all about that uh-huh. at least the first half <laughs> is um the second half kind of goes off to la la land but whatever uh <laughs> he uh I think he was lucid at the time, but I think he was honestly believed that he was really into these trips and, you know, he had an interpretation of them, let's say, that may or may not have been accurate. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the polite way to say that. Anyways, he claimed LSD was more of an energy than a drug or medicine or anything else that people would normally describe that as. He was kind of out there by this point, and uh, basically is what I'm saying. Now, to be fair, he did say some things that didn't make sense. He was an advocate for putting legislation around LSD instead of just outlawing it because he knew the dangers of a bad trip because he'd taken so many, you know, of this stuff already. He wanted to be like a special license for people who had studied this stuff and passed tests about this stuff. To like, so he thought, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No. He thought that there was a way to control whether or not people had a bad trip versus a well, good I'm trip. Well, I'm getting to that. Oh, okay. No, it's fine. Uh. He, sorry, he wanted like there be like a special license for people um, who would uh, be there to help people get through a trip if they had like a bad trip or whatever. 
He I thought see. this was more responsible to allowing it because then there's nowhere to turn to if it goes bad, you know, and there's also like just a lot more potential for misuse mm-hmm. and for people taking advantage of it and stuff like that. And all that makes sense to me. It's on top of everything else he says. That's <laughs> like, hold on. Wait, what? <laughs> now, uh, he said, and they asked him, like, what's the most important lesson you learned throughout all of this stuff? And he says, this is a direct quote by him, by the way. The only real issue when you come down to it in the evolutionary cosmic sense, whether to make it with a member of the opposite sex and keep it going or not to. Basically, what he's saying is that I actually understand what he's saying. What he's saying is that either you have kids and continue bloodline, which is the closest we could come to immortality, or you don't. And you're in that that line at yourself that had been going on for however long, forever. Can you repeat the quote for me? Sure. The only real issue when you come down to it in the evolutionary cosmic sense, whether to make it with a member of the opposite sex and keep it going or not to, basically basically saying to That's have kids or not. That's what everything comes down to, is whether or to, not you continue your bloodline or you just stop. According to Timothy Leary, yes. <laughs> That's interesting. That's not what I thought. Uh, that's mm-hmm. different than what I thought he would have said that that was what he learned yeah. from it, huh? Yeah, no. I, I mean, it makes sense. It's an abstract idea, but it makes sense. Uh, again, it's just on top of everything else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like, mm-hmm. it raises an eyebrow. <laughs> so... And this is the way he said it, too, was not the clearest. Now, keep in mind, throughout all this time, while he's doing all this stuff, he's in hot water with law enforcement because, of course, he is. <laughs> in uh, 1965, he got arrested on a federal drug charge, and he would have been locked up for 30 years, but he was able to get out on an appeal. Wow. Mm-hmm. He was also arrested in 68 after the FBI shut down his whole thing at the Hitchcock estate. That was like uh. a whole debacle. I think it was like when it was on his like third arrest or something like that. When he got, he was being transferred to the California's men's men colony prison, where he got the help of the Weathermen, which was a militant activist group. <laughs> um, oh, I this almost was the, feel like I've heard about mm-hmm. that group. This was the '60s, remember, mm-hmm. where like there's a lot of crazy political stuff yeah, going on. There um, really was. Yeah. So they re- they rescued him or something. Well, what happened was they were um, there was a part of a uh, like the Students for Democracy Society, which was a student activist group, you know, like protesting the Vietnam War, that type of stuff, you know, typical um, for the time, typical like we're not okay with how you're running things. Uh, the Weathermen was a more radical splinter group off that because they weren't getting a lot of results and they got frustrated and went a bit violent mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. This is unfortunate. Anyway, so Leary ran into these people on his way to prison and with their help he managed to escape. Oh my gosh. So it's just that's a whole nother episode right there about these people. They're not great. They like bombed like a yeah. like a place or whatever. Anyways, they helped him by nine sixty nine, they helped him smuggle himself out of the country because of course he's wanted. Yeah, so he was in hiding after yeah. so he goes to Algiers where he stays with uh Eldridge Cleaver, who is the Minister of Defense for the Black Panthers. Oh, yes, wow. really. Wow. <laughs> but they didn't like each other, like at all, by the way. Cause no 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 crap you know like it's ridiculous uh because Algiers was an islamic country leary kept using drugs all the time i don't know if you know too much about islamic countries they're really strict on certain things Mm -hmm. and that's one of those things that they don't Mm. like so that whole arrangement didn't really last so the next stop in this crazy road of life uh was switzerland uh he stayed with um and i'm going to mispronounce his name uh michael hartsbard hartshard 
He's an arms dealer. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so that sounds a little more fitting. <laughs> yeah. So how does this happen? So for they had an uh, arrangement, Mikhail would protect Leary from the various peoples and groups and organizations and governments that he had ticked off uh, and <laughs> throughout his whole life of being Timothy Leary. And in return, Leary would give him 30% of the royalties of his future books. By the way, he planned to write books. <laughs> um, <laughs> forgot to mention that. Now, if this sounds like a bad plan to you, you would be right. <laughs> wow. Uh, because uh, Mikhail, he knew that the more books Leary wrote, the more money he would make. So he turned Leary in so that Leary was in prison and didn't have access to the drugs. Uh, yeah. Well that in like, he could do much other than right. Yeah, yeah. The idea. That's hilarious. Yeah. So he kind got of a smart move. Kind of. Yeah. I guess he don't become like an arms dealer by being a dummy. <laughs> so, um, he was released a month after that. Thanks to the efforts of his wife who left him soon after all this. Jeez. It was just like, just one string of events after Nuller. It's like a, a like a very a dramatic, bad Coen Brothers film. Yeah, gosh, or a good one. So he was only in prison for about a month. Yeah. So even though it seemed like a good idea for the arms dealer to turn him in, he probably didn't get a book written in thirty days or whatever. Sure. Yeah. 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 So the next person Leary found is <laughs> just this is like a it's so I'm sorry. This should be a movie or a mini series or something because this is literally this is such a ridiculous story. <laughs> it is because it's literally just him going around meeting these people and getting like having misadventures and shenanigans. And the next person he found was named get this name by the way Joanna Harcourt Smith Tamabacopolis de Amacourt. Oh my! I miss I, I messed up her name there, but she has a it's stupidly Very long name. Long name. Well, they hit it off. She introduced him to heroin. Uh, they left for Austria. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And he really liked it there. He called it very free and compassionate and whatnot. I guess they didn't think so the same for him. Because um, by 1973, like early 1973, he was caught and brought back to the U.S. And he was thrown back in prison. Wow. Uh, this time in the Folsom prison. Folsom. Folsom. Yeah. That's not very far. I used to live nearby there. <laughs> he ended up as, uh, his cell ended up as like next to Charles Manson's cell. Wow. Which is interesting. That is crazy. I could do a whole episode on Charles Manson. I won't because it's dark, but yeah. I can I, It's a really fascinating person. What year was this? This then? was like 73 or so. Oh my gosh. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall, given how we have two kind of complete crazies at this point yeah. talking to each other. <laughs> to listen to those. Yeah. Yeah. So after their, their respective lives of wild, misspent deeds. That is <laughs> to hear that. just bizarre. Yeah. So he got out of, or at least mostly out of the hot water he was in when he began to inform and snitch on his old associates. <laughs> uh, so by 1976, he was like, it was a free man. He was put in witness protection. But like everything else in his life outside of trips, that didn't last long. I don't know how they could think that that would, with that reputation and that, <laughs> you know, the trail left behind the hell anybody could think that that was okay that he'd be okay outside yeah he uh he was soon hanging out at the playboy manson making a scene being himself you know how it is he was like at this point he is a known figure like a counter culture and all those other people the hippie movement all of them they know this guy. They love him. They think he's like the best person around. And we're going to get to later why. <laughs> the crazier, why. the better. Well, kind of, but more far out, I guess. But we're going to get to kind of why he was so, people so interested in this this person. He also started working on his theory that he came up with this in prison. He called it um, simple, spelled 
S-M-I-2-L-E. It stands for Space Migration and Increased Intelligence and Life Extension. I assume the two eyes is why there's a two. And the, mm. anyway, I don't know. He's mm-hmm. he's tripping. <laughs> it was all future human evolution, space travel stuff, you know, a basic mumbo jumbo, stuff like that, which is interesting. But, you know, <laughs> stuff like, you know, stuff a normal person would spend time thinking about. Uh, <laughs> then he got into uh, game development early on, like shockingly early for that like it's always interesting who were like among the first people who really jumped on computers and stuff like that it's usually not who you think it is (sighs) but yeah he made a few games and later on in life he claimed that the pc is the lsd of the 1990s which is saying something given who he is and what he knows what lsd is like you know yeah that really is that's a that's a a little scary comparison (laughs) Uh, so by 995, or 995, Timothy Leary, he was now in his 70s. He was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Hmm. He claimed that he had planned to off himself live on the internet, but he didn't fall through with that. Um, and he ended up uh, dying in his sleep. Gosh. Allegedly, to the people who were present at a time, and people who knew him, his last words were, why, why not? <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, Timothy Leary, this guy, man, like he wasn't, like, a lot of other people experimenting on LSD at the time, he wasn't. Um, because instead of seeing it as, like, a weapon or a means to control people, he argued that it could help people and improve the world, which is probably one of the reasons why he became such an icon among certain groups of people. He'd had his flaws, I think it's safe to say. He probably had more flaws than virtues, I think. And to be honest, he probably didn't really do much good stuff. Not that necessarily he did a lot of bad stuff, but I don't think he... His impact on the world is probably close to non-existent, I feel like. It just seems like everywhere he went, he caused problems. Yeah, for himself and others, yeah. Yeah. Richard Nixon, he called him the most dangerous man in the country, which I think is an exaggeration, but it is fine to me. Because, like, well, no, he's just a druggie. It's (laughs) very interesting, though, mm -hmm. a druggie that became influential in certain circles. Sure, (laughs) yeah. At the same time, like, having said all that, I find the story so fascinating, so interesting. I love the counterculture time uh, of the 60s and early 70s. Uh It's real fascinating to me. I don't don't believe in reincarnation. Not saying that I think less of people who do because it's like, it's just a belief system. You know, you believe what you believe. I personally don't. I think this is the only life we have. But if reincarnation is a thing, I was a hippie in a past life. I am. No, I am convinced of that. I am. I'm like, no, that makes perfect sense to me. Um, what, so, what convinces you of that? Uh, just, I don't know. I don't know. Just something. I, I can't really put into words. And that's what makes me think uh, it's a hippie thing. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how accessible this topic is or what you thought of it. I thought this was so interesting, so fascinating, and such a weird out there person that I don't know. I just want to talk about it. Was him. so in- it was very interesting. I enjoyed. I enjoyed hearing it. Did a great job telling about Thank it. Thank you. What surprises me so much is how somebody who really is basically a druggie. Yeah. I mean, but he was also pretending to be a scientist or in you know at the well, around he, the edges he was yeah. a scientist well, he was a psychologist like he graduated with a degree of psychology right right but how somebody like him could have such notoriety people know who he is he continued to have connections with people in, in high places like mm-hmm. 
maybe not reputable high places <laughs> <laughs> like arms dealers and that sort of thing, but Black Panthers. Yeah, and just yeah. really random stockbrokers. Yeah, like why him? <laughs> why didn't he? Why wasn't he just? Why didn't he just end up? You know. Yeah, I think selling he drugs just, out of his was, house. I think it was just that thing where it's just he just knew some people because he was educated. He got as a case and he knew people from you know in that field, and it kind of just. I don't know spiraled is the right word, but it evolved to uh-huh. a point which was very um, not scientific or it was more about psychedelics than psychology, basically. That's so crazy. Yeah. That's so crazy. And, you know, psychology is such an interesting history there that, mm-hmm. you know, how it develops. Oh, yeah, that. of course. It's really interesting. And I, I cut out like a lot of stuff about this guy. Like there's he he said a lot of stuff he had, did a lot of things i wanted to keep this short i have five pages worth of notes wow. on this person wow. uh like i think i heard at one point he claimed he was reincarnated from master crawley which is i don't know if you know who that is uh-uh. it was a noted occultist from the turn of the century mm. i think most people who know who alistair crawley is would not claim to be reincarnated <laughs> from him because he was a pretty big creep. Wow. But yeah, it was so. Oh, that's really something. I don't know. He was he was something else, man. Well, that was really <laughs> really fascinating. I I uh, know a lot more now because <laughs> I didn't know anything about him to begin with. But yeah, just uh, kind of yuck though. He just kind of kind of have this feeling of this of this icky film. Honestly, you know? the more that I read about ni- the nineteen sixties, the more. I agree with you that that whole time was just kind of a, this is a bit grimy, you know? Grimy is a good, yeah, it just feels mm-hmm. a little, eh, a little uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, though. It was really fascinating to hear about him. What a, what a life. Yeah. What a life story. I'll say this, like, for say what you will about him, he did not waste his life. Like, he lived life. Yeah. For better, for worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> him and Hemingway, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, they both had on. full lives. You yeah, know? it's really something. Well, awesome. And who is or what are we going <laughs> to talk about next time? No, I don't blame you. We've been talking about people for a while. Next time, we're going to deviate from that. We're going to be talking about something that is pretty interesting. It's a little, hmm, it's a little removed from some of the stuff we talked about in the past, but I think it's interesting we're talking about. We're going to be talking about some folklore. Oh, folklore. Yeah. That is interesting. Uh, any specific folklore or just the broad topic of folklore? I am in the process of developing that now. Gotcha. So <laughs> I'll let you know next time. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, I'm, I'm excited to hear how that goes, too. And thanks for sharing awesome. about Timothy Leary. I hope there's nobody else like him. <laughs> <laughs> or I, I hope there's like... Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna use drugs, be responsible. That's that's my that's my advice. That's your PSA. Yeah, like, <laughs> be you know know what you're getting into. <laughs> I just I don't yeah like is there a good way to use drugs? Probably. I mean, I wouldn't you know, know. There's but controlled probably. substances that help take away mm-hmm. pain and stuff I know, like, like that. Um, this is a little off topic. Marijuana really helps like ease like certain like right. joint pains or right. whatever. And that's why it's good to experiment with things so that we know mm-hmm. what good they can bring if they can bring good and or if they're just all bad news and yeah. should be avoided. Awesome. Jacob, thanks so much for the, the tale today about Timothy Leary. I really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you. Uh, and thanks to our audience for listening. I hope they enjoyed it too. And I'll see you next time. Bye. Confucius once said, study the past if you would define the future. You've been listening to the History Slices podcast with Jacob and Rachel. We hope you've gotten some useful information from the show. We hope we made you think, and we hope you were entertained. 
We know we had fun, and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on Facebook at History Slices and on Instagram at History Slices Podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And tell a friend about the show. That'll help us out, too. One more quote before we go from Michael Crichton. If you don't know history, then you don't know anything. You are a leaf that doesn't know it's part of a tree. Till next time, this is History Slices, signing off. 